Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Dave Van Horn. Hi, Dave. Hey, how you doing, Joe? Doing well. A little bit about Dave. He is the president of PPR Note Company. That stands for Partners for Payment Relief. Basically, it's a company that specializes in the acquisition and management of distressed residential mortgages nationwide. So what we're going to talk to him about and what his advice is going to be around is note buying. Uh, A little bit more about his background before uh, Dave, you go into it a little bit more detail, is Dave's been a licensed realtor for over 25 years. He's an investor. He owns right now 18 buildings from single-family homes to multifamily. He got his start with mobile home parks where he started raising money um, from investors. So with that being said, Dave, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background on your experience? Sure. I'm. How far do you go back, right? I'm an old man. Started out going to college to be an accountant, didn't like accounting, switched to management, got out of that, couldn't get a job, and uh, became a painting contractor, believe it or not, and got licensed as a realtor at an early age, like 26. Started buying properties in 89, um, and I literally started buying properties with credit cards. Buy a house with credit cards, fix it up with a credit card, move a tenant in, refinance the property, pay the credit cards off. Um, and I accumulated my first probably nine or ten houses that way. And then I started uh, joining a RIA group to find money, and next thing you know, started uh, utilizing private money and also started lending out private money. And you fast forward several years, next thing you know, I'm a REMAX agent. I was doing property management. I owned my own title company. I had an insurance license and was was working mostly with investors. And I had all these, you know, loans that I had out on the street to fellow rehabbers. And then I also had properties. And what I noticed was the loans were much easier than the properties, especially as I was going to court every week, doing evictions and handling all the maintenance. I was like, well, this note thing, these first mortgages is pretty neat. So I was running a real estate investment group and I used to interview the speakers. And we had a speaker come down from New York who was doing a cash call to buy pools of mortgages, delinquent mortgages, up in New York City. And of course, I didn't do anything, but I had a partner who did. And about two or three years later, uh, right before the market was ready to crash, me and my partner, um, my partner John was a loan officer for me. So he was doing loans, I was doing real estate, and we kind of saw the writing on the wall and we're like, well, which end of the fence do we want to be sitting on when this happens? (laughs) So um, we contacted the guy who's... um, invested in delinquent mortgages in pools and we said, hey, if you sell us assets, if you teach us the collection side of the business, we'll buy assets from you. And that's pretty much how it happened by accident. And we literally formed our com- company at eating lunch 
in a Plymouth meeting and uh, on a napkin, and uh, the rest is kind of history. We we started out with four loans. Um, one was a grand slam, one was a home run, and two we got our butt kicked. And um, today we own thousands of mortgages. So, um, and we typically own you know around a hundred REOs throughout the country at any given time. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. I think we have uh, twenty three employees. So we've grown quite a bit, um, but it's a very you know scalable type business. Can you give the give an example of one of the four loans? Perhaps even two examples. One is the Grand Slam, and one where you got your butt kicked. And the purpose of this is just to uh, illustrate the business model behind what it is that you do. Um. To be quite honest with you, I wasn't working the loans at that time. My partner was, but um, but I can tell you the gist of how a loan yeah. makes money and how ones that don't make money. And it, um, we just so you know, in the beginning, we specialized in delinquent second mortgages. And at first, we only bought loans with equity. So I know that's a weird niche. It was just a function of the guy who taught us. It had nothing to do with, well, I like seconds better than first or first better than seconds. It just had to do with the guy we knew. It had nothing to do with that kind of logic. <laughs> so um, we started investing in uh, second mortgages. And you know, to a lot of people, there's a lot more perceived risk with that. I get it. Uh, but there's also lower price points and more upside, that kind of thing. So uh, you know, a typical loan we might buy for five or 10 grand. We typically do a mail campaign, a phone campaign. We'll send a door knock service, and by like day 16, we're uh, filing a demand letter. And a lot of times, we'll utilize foreclosure to get a borrower off the fence. But with second mortgages, it's much more statistical than first mortgages, which are more sticks and bricks. You know, with first mortgages, you're exiting through the property typically, and that's the way most real estate investors can logically think about. Uh, with second mortgages, though, you're exiting through the borrower. And it's much more about the nuance of the conversation with the borrower, especially with loans with no equity. So what happens in this situation is uh, we might buy that for five or ten grand. Uh, it might have a payoff of twenty-five grand, and maybe a payment. You know, if, if we smile and dial and get it worked out with the borrower, and a new payment plan might be around three hundred a month. Well, that loan would typically sell for seventeen or eighteen grand. So you can see the. The gist. It's it's roughly. I mean, it's it's hard to say this, but it's around a three times uh, what you paid type event. So, you know, if you paid five or ten grand, you're gonna you're gonna turn that into fifteen or twenty kind of thing. Um, so what happens in those cases is we a lot of times we sell those loans to real estate investors, and they take over the payments. They buy them in their IRA accounts. They do all kinds of neat things like that. Um, and we use a servicer, and a servicer is sort of like property management for a note, and they'll basically ACH that money right into the investor's account, and the ki- we have what's called a kicker on that loan. The kicker is the difference between the payoff and what you paid for the loan, and in the scenario I gave you, it's 25000 versus you know you paid seventeen or eighteen grand for the note, that kind of thing. Um, so that's the gist of how that makes money. We, we also warranty those types of loans against the investment principle. And our warranty is investment principle minus payments received. So if that loan were to redefault, we actually step in, retouch it at no charge. And if we can't get it re-performing in a short period of time, we actually buy the asset back. 
in that case, you know, say you collected three grand and it redefaulted, we would buy that back at, you know, 14 grand or whatever, you, you know, minus what you paid. So pretty unique program. We're sold out most of the time. We have a lot of demand for our reperforming notes. Um, and a lot of times it's equity doesn't always dictate whether or not you'll get a payment plan or how successful that'll be. Um, because there's, um, how should I say it? If they're current on their first mortgage and they're delinquent on their second, it kind of tells you a couple of things. One is that they have a source of income and two, they want to stay or they wouldn't be paying the first. And a lot of times, um, you know, a second lien holder in that position might be a more stable borrower than a person who had a delinquent first mortgage, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And that I think that's great um, to illustrate exactly how the process works. What I'd like to do is I feel like we're in step three if somebody is not at all familiar with note buying. And if I, and I know you're doing this full time, um, but for someone who has never heard of note buying, for someone who has read Rich Dad Poor Dad, but uh, that's it, can you from as broad strokes, big picture as possible – explain what note buying is because we we just went through how it can be the mechanics of it can be successful but can you take 50 steps back and just explain what note buying is well i mean um there's all kinds of notes in the world right so everybody's in the note business you just so i'll give you an example do you have you know a credit card do you have a student loan do you have a car loan do you have a home mortgage so everybody's in the note business. It's just they tend to be at the other end of it. I'm at the end where the bank is. So I'm the bank. It's really all that all that's going on here. And I specialize in secured mortgages because I like I like real estate. I have a real estate background. So I prefer secured mortgages over unsecured debt. Although I do invest in some unsecured stuff, um, but I prefer secured mortgages because it has collateral. So. You know, I used to trade stock options, for example, but nothing can compare to buying something at a discount with a high yield that has collateral on top of it. And that's really why I, you know, really enjoy the note space. So to your point, you know, it's just a promise to repay a loan and we're buying those loans. Now, one of the advantages of buying, you know, mortgages in bulk from banks, especially distressed, is if you think about it, I'm ahead of everybody. You know, years ago, I did the we buy houses business or wholesaling and all that kind of stuff. And you know how people try to get the courthouse list or they go to the sheriff's sale. Well, if you go to the sheriff's sale, that attorney at the sheriff's sale is my attorney. If you go to the courthouse to get a list, I'm ahead of that list because I'm buying the asset from the bank. So you really cut to the chase. You know, you're really like first in line in this real estate game. And that's the other part of this business that I really love. That makes sense. And so you are the bank. You specialize in buying secured debt that has collateral. You buy the loan because there's a promise to repay the loan. You're at the head of the line for the first to be repaid. So the question would be why is the current lender selling it to you for a discount? Um, for a variety of reasons. Um, a lot of times, well, first of all, they don't, they're not in the collections business. They're in the real estate or they're not in the real estate business. They're in the lending business. 
So it's really not their business. They're also heavily regulated, and they also have uh, reserve requirements. So the more delinquent loans they have on their books, eventually it impacts their ability to borrow from the Federal Reserve, those types of things. And eventually they have to get these distressed assets off their books. Now, a lot of times they do have their own, you know, loss mitigation type departments. Um, but, you know, legal can be a big expense. And a lot of times it makes more sense to package up loans and get them off their books because it's a time for money equation. Um, and they make their money lending money, not trying to do collections, if that makes any kind of makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So the lender has bad loans on the books, meaning delinquent, and for various number of reasons they need them off the books so they essentially wholesale the paper the loan to you and it's your uh you're taking the risk that you'll either collect or you'll be able to um exercise the foreclosure process and have the actual collateral the house or the property um and end up selling that at a later date Yes, but it's also a little deeper than that. Um, part of what we do that – because a lot of people say, well, why don't the banks do what you do type of thing? Um, and it has to do with data a lot of times. We're In a way, we're like a data company. So I'll give you an example. Like our acquisition teams do a lot of web scraping. They do a lot of data analysis. In fact, um, what I mean by that is they could read – they have software that will read you know, 10,000 credit reports and put a report on it on my partner's desk the next day, or they'll read through uh, bankruptcy documents in PACER, almost like an attorney's reading it. They'll have software read it. And the bank doesn't know the collect necessarily know the collectability of a pool of assets where we do. We've bought delinquent assets. We know the outcome of the pools before we buy them because we have previous data on the collection side. So, a lot of times it's a data game that the banks don't necessarily have the data that we have. And the data that we have becomes the DNA of our business. Um, so it's not so much just, oh, well, it's equity, it's this, it's that. But statistically, we know borrower behavior. Uh, we know the outcome. So I'll give you an analogy. Um, when I used to sell insurance, by age 65 out of 100 men, I knew 36 were dead. The insurance company just didn't know which 36. Do you follow me? That's yep. the way the note business works, especially uh, you know the delinquent. Like I know out of 100 loans how many I'm going to get reperforming. I know that data. And I know what type of exits you know, proportionally I'll do on average, that kind of thing. And that's what dictates our business. And that's why if you really think about a bank's portfolio – it's typically less than 1% is delinquent. Well, how much resources do they want to throw at that? It's easier to just package it up, sell it off, than, and to go back to the 99% of what they do. It's the same way with us uh, sometimes. You know, people will say, well, why do you sell off your REOs? Why don't you rehab them? I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> Because our REO portfolio in reference to our overall portfolio is such a small percentage uh, not you know most of the time it's easier just to get rid of that thing even at a loss because we're that's not where we make our money. It's a numbers game, right? It's a numbers game. Exactly. Makes that my friend makes a lot of sense. And thank you for 
holding my hand and taking me to the the higher level of this and then going back down that I think that's really really helpful it was for me because I'm not as familiar with note buying and now I have a clear picture and hopefully you know the best ever listeners have a clearer picture too and we haven't even gotten to your best ever advice yet <laughs> so let's do that uh-huh. what, is, what is your best real estate investing advice ever um, I guess my best advice comes from probably my biggest failures, right? <laughs> For me, the only time I ever really ran into trouble uh, with real estate was when I would give up control. So um, one of my things is try to maintain control as best you can in most cases, and usually you do okay. Uh, I think the only time I ever really would lose money in, in a real estate deal or something is in situations where I didn't really have control of the situation or the management type thing. Yeah, and that's interesting because I think on one side of the control approach, you are – you're first in line. You're first in line, so you are head of the class. But on the flip side, you could argue that you're not – in control because you're not the one renovating the property you're not the one managing the team you're more you're you're actually removed from that which i I find pretty interesting um well you're right you're only as good as your team and and we believe it or not in this day and age it is easier to do business because you know i i talk to investors and they're like you know you know i'm from philly right and they're like well i own 100 houses in philly how do you manage 100 houses throughout the country? Um, but it's a lot different world today. There's so much that can be done. Um, there's so many boots on the ground that I can send to a property. There's so many um, resources out there that we utilize that make our jobs a lot easier um, and a lot more affordable to do things. And a lot of it's internet-based. You know, So you can do things today you just couldn't do years ago. I mean – you know, I often tell contractors that are local, I, I, I tell them, I said, why aren't you on like the companies like U.S. Best list as a contractor? You'll see all the deals. Sign up to be a subcontractor for the property preservation companies. And a lot of guys don't even think of that. And I was a contractor years ago. I didn't think of it. But they don't realize. They think, oh, well, they're going to nickel and dime me and they want me to give cheap bids. But they don't realize that they'll get to see all the deals ahead of everybody else. And they'll also get to extend their bids to do renovations for the banks because some banks are renovating the properties um, if the contractors give them a decent bid. Makes sense. Dave, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. As ready as I'll ever be, I guess. <laughs> okay. Best ever book you've read? It's probably – it's either The Banker's Code. Oh, I can only give you one, right? It, w- it would have to be Leading an Exceptional Life by Jim Rohn. Well, since you already teased us with the other, I'll I'll close my eyes, close my ears, and look the other way. And what's the other book that you were going to say? Uh, was The Banker's Code, which is actually by George Anton. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. Personal growth experience? Um, I own a drug and alcohol recovery house. And by far, that's the greatest uh, real estate investing experience I've had. What have, you, what have you learned from it? Um, it's just so rewarding. I, I learned that you, you can do like socially responsible investing, still make great money, and you just make such a m- bigger impact on the world. 
than just, you know, regular rentals or something. Um, so it's very rewarding. I mean, tenants hug me, moms bring me crockpots of food, parents cry. You know, I don't get that from, I don't get that kind of love from my regular tenants. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's so much rewarding. And then see people, uh, leave the recovery house and go on and do great things in life. And, uh, it's very rewarding. Wow. That's awesome. Best ever success habit you practice. I read every day. I typically read about three to five books at a time. And there was a time period when I gave up reading, like right out of college. You know, you think you know everything. Um, and I actually regret that now. And I look back at what was I thinking. So um, I think one of my be- biggest success habits is uh, constantly trying to self- self-improve. And I read every day. Best ever deal you've done. The best ever deal, you know, I believe there's only a couple opportunities in life, um, you know, and they, they only come our way a couple times. So in other words, you kind of have to be ready to receive it when it happens. And for me, um, one of them wasn't really a deal. It was just like a happening in my life. But the best ever deal that happened was um, actually PPR, so forming PPR and having that opportunity, but to take the opportunity when it was available to me. Best ever quote? Best ever quote is a tough one because there's so many quotes I like, but one of the best, uh, funniest I've heard recently was by Dr. Will Moreland, who's actually originally from Compton, and he said, the only person who likes change is a wet baby, and I just uh, I just thought that was pretty neat. <laughs> That's interesting. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I, I I love change. I love because change to me is synonymous with progress. It's just you know the change that happens that we don't want to have happen that we're not prepared for sometimes is not good initially. But I think with the right mentality. It's, uh, you know, we can channel that into something even better. Of course, the baby analogy, certainly the baby's looking for change more so than I am. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think he meant it that way. I think he just meant we, normally people resist it and that's what. Oh, that's true. Yes. Very true. Well, Dave, what's the best ever place to reach you? Probably on my website, which is uh, www.pprnoteco.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention to the best ever listeners? Um, try the note business. It's, uh, it's very similar to the real estate space, and it's not as scary as people think. And uh, there's an infinite number of ways to make money in, in this part of the real estate backed investment uh, world as well. So it's, you know, what's the best way for someone to get educated on the note business or at least take the first step? You know, I, um, you know, I have a son that just moved to LA and he's into film and it's really the same three things in any, anything and whether it's notes or anything else. And I told him the same thing I'm telling you is, is to get educated in the space as best you can read up on it. Um, network with people doing the business and try to find a coach or a mentor that can accelerate your learning somewhat. And I think that's the key to success in almost anything you try, whether you know it's real estate notes, whatever that is. 
Um, there's some, there's definitely some books out there. I mentioned one, you know, I started out, uh, with Jimmy Napier and, and Pete Fortunato and Donna Bauer and all the different seller finance people. That's where I started at first, uh, institutionalized. There's not as much education, I don't think, but, um, but there's definitely people out there doing it. And, um, I think you can definitely, uh, you know, learn from everybody else. You don't have to reinvent the wheel type thing. 1000% agree with that philosophy. And I love how you boiled it down to those three simple steps. I always uh, say those three steps in a roundabout way, but man, you just popped them right out there. And I love that. <laughs> well, All right, Joe. thank you so much, Dave. And uh, we will talk to you soon. That sounds great, Joe. Take care now. Okay. Hey, you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe. 